0: What's up, everyone? Excited about pod number six. We got my man and teammate, John Rannigan. Absolute stud, All-American from Johns Hopkins, plays in the PLO for the Chrome Lacrosse Club, and is my teammate in the Indoor League for the New York Riptide. John talks about his upbringing in the Yorktown lacrosse sphere, talks about how he's going to grow the game, as well as what he's learned in quarantine, playing a major focus on his meditation and his body. We're excited for you guys to listen. Enjoy. So we'll get into it. And I guess we'll start uh, by sort of what have you been up to? I know you were, I guess, job hunting. Obviously, our New York Riptide season got cut short. Uh, how is that? How have you been doing, dealing with that? You were living in the city. Uh, sort of just you want to talk about what's going on with you as of right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, I actually was working, I was in the insurance industry for six years out of school. Um, and I actually left that job right before we left for Vancouver CK. So right before we went and played, uh, to play for, play for team USA and indoor, I was just like, didn't really love the job that much. And kind of thought to myself, like, I don't really want to go back after this two weeks off. So I left the job and then, uh, Played in the games, then Matt Dunn and I went and uh, traveled Europe for a little bit. But then, obviously, wanted to kind of give lacrosse its full um, attention. Obviously, unfortunately, it was during a a COVID shut season, so um, started back on the job hunt and uh, just trying to work out. At this point, like it's just been so weird, uh, you know, altering your plans. Um, But now, now we have the PLL Championship Series to to worry about. I think we're thirty eight days out at this point, so trying to get the body, uh, the body in shape for that.
0: Pretty excited about that as well. So you talked about sort of your job hunting, I guess. Uh, you're sticking with lacrosse and you sort of started that right out of college. What sort of, was it just something that in the office you didn't want to do anymore? Or was it just like, Hey, I want to keep following my passion of lacrosse. What sort of was uh, going through your head at that point?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, the job was, was great in the regard that they were very flexible in, um, you know, still letting me play. Um, but it wasn't exactly, it just wasn't a product I was really excited about selling. Um, I always, I just kind of always liked the aspect of, um, you know, dealing with people and and, and selling something and, you know, having that, I guess, competitive nature, kind of like what, what lacrosse brings. Um, but you know, it was definitely a, one of those things where I wanted to kind of check all the boxes about, you know, potentially coaching. I think we talked about that CK, like went down to Nashville and looked at some, looked at some opportunities there. Um but, you know, I think at, at the end of the day I wanted to stay close to home and um one of the things I did like in my other job was you know, was the technology um companies that I was working with. You know, it just seemed that like they were super innovative and, you know, always kind of ahead of the curve. And as we kind of think about going into this next, you know, phase of you know, the next twenty, thirty years, you're gonna be dealing with tech just like you guys starting your own, you know, your own app, right? So um ended up Taken a few interviews but got you know luckily got a job during this uh, this pandemic so I started about six weeks ago I've been in like the training the training phase um, so I've just been you know doing a lot of training in that and then training myself uh, you know for this for this championship series
2: what did you what did you settle on for a job?
1: yeah so it's, a company's called uh, pure storage so what they do is they sell both a hardware and a software for companies um, that want to house their data. So we work with a lot with like companies that are doing you know machine learning or artificial intelligence projects um, you know there's just so many things you can do now with that data um, think about like a, a healthcare company that needs to be able to to take a look at you know uh, tons of images to find cancerous cells well now you have these algorithms that can look at a million uh images a day and be pretty accurate where a doctor can only do so many in a day so you know to be able to get that data and to, you know, uh, use it quickly, you need a infrastructure in place, which is is what we sell to healthcare companies and and large enterprises.
2: Is there anything outside of just the product itself that you kind of saw as like a bigger positive with this new company that, as opposed to where you were before?
1: Yeah, yeah, and not and not to knock the old place, but the one thing and you know it kind of goes back into a lot of lacrosse things that I loved about it was everybody that I spoke to in the interview process, one of the first things they talked about was the culture of the company. Um, which has been it 's been harder for me to fully understand that while we 're all you know i 'm on these zoom calls every day, so i 'm not in the office with them, but you know the- the company does have like a tremendous culture of just you know people wanting to help people people getting excited you know we have we do one thing where the entire sales organization across the globe is on an email thread, and every time that there 's a win, you know you have to write up a report and there's just it's a constant kind of back and forth like just positive banter that 's going on. Um, So that was for me for somebody that's been on teams forever, you know, to have that, you know, almost, you know, consistently talked about in the interview process was huge for me.
0: Love that. Uh, So you talked about just sort of sports sort of translating into the business world. And I think growing up, everybody always says sports translates to everything you do in life. And you're like, you always agree as a kid, like 100 percent. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but then you start to realize that getting out of college and I guess you worked in a company and now transitioning to another one. How would you say like sports has helped you in that sense of uh, in the business sense of uh, going after college?
1: Yeah, the, the two biggest places, I think number one would be work ethic, right? Like you like, you know, you're in, you're instilled at a, uh, you know, a young age that if you want to if you want to be the best, it's going to take a lot of hard work. Um, It's going to take sacrifices too, right? You know, like right now, you know, we're, we're sacrificing our weekends after working all week in college, you're sacrificing spring breaks and, you know, summers at the beach where you have to still work out. So like understanding that like to be great at something is going to take a long time. It's going to be a long process, but investing that time is almost a direct correlation to you being good at what you do. Um, So that, that helped. And, you know, also just the, just like the organization um, aspect of it, right? Like. If when you're a college division one athlete, you have school, you have, um, you know, all the all the demands from your team. So for you to be able to juggle a schedule like that, when you come into, you know, owning a patch, uh, you know, a sales patch and, you know, having to navigate different customers, different meetings, all the rest, like being an organized person is going to really help you out. So I'd say work ethic and organization are the two things that I take in sports and try to apply in the business world.
2: Like I like how you dropped the little "be the best" in there.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, you know, I said it without saying it, I guess.
2: <laughs> uh, but just kind of transitioning to lacrosse a little bit now. Go, as you're starting a new job, obviously times are a little crazy right now, and now you got the PLL coming back. What's your What's your schedule look like right now, and how are you kind of mixing lacrosse into that? And what are some of the things that you're doing to kind of get ready?
1: Yeah. Um, so when, you know, one thing, when COVID happened, one of the things I've tried to do is keep a, like, keep a a schedule that I'm going to commit to every day. Um, just because it, it, it just, you know, the more scheduled I am when I, when there's nothing going on, I think is the easiest thing. So what I've been doing is, uh, 6am wake up every day. Um, and then I'm working out in the morning, the, the it'll consist of weightlifting, probably weightlifting one day, two days of like a hot, like a hit high intensity interval training, and then two days of, of strict conditioning. Um, so I'm doing that in the morning, you know, I, I hopefully I'm trying to get to my desk right around seven forty 45, eight o'clock. And then, you know, luckily for me, I'm, I'm back at my parents' house in Yorktown, uh, Westchester County. And I was at the field, you know, then I'll try to go either doing a lacrosse lesson or, Try to go to the back to the turf around six, seven o'clock at night to to shoot, um, and I I ran into uh, a guy in our uh, in our town who just played at University of Utah, and he was there getting shots, so I got his number. So I'm now I'm just texting him every day, just to just to get some extra shots in. But that's that's I've tried to stay with that you know that regimen. It's 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 tough, but at the same time I don't have much else going on uh, that I can't do that. So it's it's been easy in that in that regard.
2: With, like, with like your, uh, your, like, schedule with, like, Corona, like, trying to, like, keep things more tight or anything like that, how's your – are you, like, a super guy who's, like, takes your, like, diet really seriously or, like, nutrition or anything like that? Or are you, like, kind of, like, toning that, like, kind of not toning that down, but, like, watching that more seriously, like, as you're kind of scheduling things out and, like, trying to be, like, more meticulous about what you're doing, especially with all the time you have and, obviously, with the PLL coming up?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know you what's know, funny? The first thing is – I, I started to cook more because normally I would just seamless everything at my apartment in the city. And, you know, as you can imagine, there's just about anything you could want on seamless. Uh, you know, some of it, not so, not so good for you. So I started to cook more, uh, which, you know, obviously when you're cooking, you're more conscious of what exactly you're putting into your body because you're literally cooking it. Um, so I, you know, I have, I have been a little, I wouldn't say I'm a health freak, um, but I do try to, you know, I try to get my sugars and everything from like natural fruit. I'm a big, uh, I probably have a, a, a smoothie either for breakfast or for lunch, you know, depending on which one I don't have it for, um, pretty much every day. Uh, and that smoothie is typically, uh, about two to three cups of, 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 fruit, some spinach, um, peanut butter, and then like a scoop of, of, of vegan protein, um, with almond milk. So, Uh, I, I try to do that pretty much every day, try to keep it, you know, and then the the snacks with throughout the day, just try to do a lot of veggies and hummus. Um, but nothing, I not too crazy, but I I try to keep it, keep it lean.
0: You talked about it, uh, when we were running on Saturday. So you, we talked about like the intermittent fasting. Have you ever tried it? And you said you stop at like nine o'clock, I think it was.
1: Yeah. So one of the things, so one of the things I did start in, um, during the COVID uh, pandemic was I, I basically thought of like 10 things that I want to accomplish every day. Um, so I made this like kind of this master spreadsheet. Um, and it was just a way for me to kind of like keep myself accountable. So I got things on there like X amount of hours slept. Um, so one of the things was, you know, at after 9 PM, I'm no, I'm not eating. Cause so I was finding myself like, you know, right before bed, passing the you know the the uh the kitchen you know just kind of just perusing around seeing what's in the fridge seeing what's in the drawers you know and then i just kind of stand there for like two minutes i'm like crap i just ate a ton of garbage right before i'm about to sleep um so i you know so i'm cutting it off at 9 p.m and then obviously you know if i'm waking up at six every day right there's that's nine hours so i want to get to bed by 10 or 11 to get seven eight hours of sleep every day um so I, in a in a way, I guess I'm I'm you know limiting probably about ten or so hours of the of the, you know of the day I'm not eating, but a lot of that's me sleeping. But I've had I've heard you know a lot of people have tried that out, um, with really good results. I mean they say like it's crazy when you first start, you feel like super hungry, um, but you get used to it. I guess is what I hear, and guys are kind of swear by it.
2: Yeah. I've been doing it. I've been doing it for like four months, like four or five months now, like Mm -hmm. most of 2020 and I I listen to like Rogan a lot and she has like, he has like Rhonda Patrick on there. She's like a all about like longevity and like just health and just general fitness stuff. And she's like a huge advocate of it. And like, I've like, I feel so much better in the mornings and like same with you. Like I always be eating right before I go to bed. And like the biggest thing I've noticed is just like, I feel so much better in the mornings and just like my energy levels are so much better. And just like, it kind of is like a game to me a little bit where it's like, all right, like, I want to try to get like 16-8, but like if I, if I go a little earlier or whatever, but like sometimes like me and my roommate both do it and we'll like, kind of see who can like fast longest. Obviously, I'm not training for a legit sport, but for me, it's like, I feel great from it and I love it. And like for you, like apparently based on what Rhonda Patrick said, you want to try to shoot for like at least like a 14 hour fast. And then like she says like nine, like a 15, nine, like 16, eight is like optimal, but That's just, I'm not an expert or anything. I'm just regurgitating what she says.
1: Yeah, and and, you know, um, it's funny, too. I I have noticed, like, when I was living in the city, and obviously there was probably some more distractions just living there in general, but, like, there was a group of us that would get together and work out in the mornings. Um, So we'd be on the field at 6.30 to work out before work. And I used to notice, like, I would wake up and, like, have to chug, you know, c four or, like, something just to, like, get myself to bike ride down there but like i do find myself now waking up like really no problem maybe i'll throw like you know a couple grapes or like a couple nuts or something like that just to ha- have my stomach have something in me but i'm i'm waking up not having to use any pre-workout and i'm I'm you know i am been enjoying the workouts too have you cut that off yeah yeah well, I, I, so I, I cut it off because I ran out of it. That's, that is one of the reasons. Um, but I haven't needed it. Like I haven't felt the need to buy more of it. Um, so, you know, and you know, the, the riptide, we were, we were going through that stuff like crazy. So
0: oh, we were hammering it. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you talked about 10 things on your spreadsheet. So what were your 10 things that you tried to do each day?
1: Yeah. So I've, I'm still doing it. I'll actually just read it. I got it right here in front of me. So it's, It's, it's eight, uh, it's eight, right now it's eight hours in bed. And the reason I have like, I had seven hours of sleep, but I, I, I didn't think that my watch was being as accurate as I wanted it to be. So now I'm just saying like, so like I'm in bed if I'm waking up at six, right. I'm in bed by 10 PM, the latest, um, you know, trying to stay off my phone and and maybe watch a little bit of TV, but nothing crazy. So eight hours in bed. One of the things I did start doing, um, during coronavirus was, was meditating, so I got the um, the Calm app, um, and it's honestly it's a fantastic way to start my day. So like right you know so I'll work out, shower, eat breakfast, and then right before I sit down at my laptop, I'll go through you know either anywhere from, from a ten to fifteen minute meditation practice, and you basically just you know you shut down. It really focuses on your breathing, um, makes you think a lot too. Like just try, try you know actually it makes you think just by like completely exiting everything in your mind um and i found like stress levels are good i honestly started it because i was living in the city and obviously that was the epicenter of the the pandemic and i would wake up to sirens and i'd be going to bed to sirens and i was just having a really hard time sleeping so they have like you have the meditation in the morning but then they also have these um little 25 to 40 minute uh I'll call them like bedtime stories that you just kind of throw on, it and it's like, I think last night I listened to the guy, you know the like the mercenary from Game of Thrones,
2: yeah. The guy, um, I, mean, I don't know, but
1: yeah. So like it, it was this like like this like Australian dude talking about like the mountains in New Zealand. So it was like it was just like a nice way to go to bed. Um, so I, I, that's one thing I started, and um, I've I it's one thing I'll take with me for sure. Um, out of there Uh, some of the other ones were stretch mobility exercise um, a lacrosse activity whether that's film whether that's wall ball or shooting Um, no food after 9 p.m. Uh, I had the first month I did this I had text a friend or a family member but I found that to be way too easy I, I you know me CK I'm talking all the time I like I was completing that super easy so now one of the things in meditation that they talk about is 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 having a lot of gratitude. Um, so one thing I do now every morning after I finish the meditation is I sit down and just write out five things I'm grateful for. They can be they can be huge things like the sport of lacrosse, or it could be just like you know great weather for a, a morning workout, something like that, just to keep myself fresh. I try to I try to change that up um, every morning. I have no booze on there. Um, But I have not – you know, I haven't got 100% any month. But, you know, it's one of those – but for me, it's one – I kind of put this together as something that, like, I didn't think I was going to go 100%, right? But, like, the fact that I have that on my list, now I second-guess something, you know? Like, listen, if I'm – yeah, if I'm meeting up with the the boys, we're going to a barbecue, like, I'm not thinking – I'm going to have a couple beers. It's fine. But, like, it's those random days where, like, all right, let's just – you know, let's keep it clean, Um uh, read. And then the last one is 105 ounces of water per day. Uh, I have no idea if that's the amount of water. I'm 210 pounds. So I just kind of cut my body, my body weight in half. So I try to drink 105 ounces of water, uh, every day. So those are my 10, those are my 10 things I try to accomplish. Um, it keeps me busy all day, honestly. Like it's, you know, it's, 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 it's easy to do, but it's harder than you think, like just to make sure you're going through that all during the day.
2: Did you when you picked, yeah. when you picked half your body weight? Did you like get that number from somewhere, or did, like where did you come? How did you come? To- yeah,
1: yeah, I read, I, you know, I read something, uh, you know, just on like some athletic post. I've I've heard that number be way higher, also way less. Um, I would tell you that like, it's it's a lot of water to drink every day, but like if you don't do it for one day, like just based on like you get dehydrated fairly quickly um so it's you know it's something i just try like i got this you know 20 ounce thing here so fill it up five, fill it up five times in the day you're good to go right or just close
2: but, uh just as we kind of before we move on from the this list of 10. um one thing i've kind of heard from this dude is like his name Naval Ravikant he's like a big advocate of like meditation and he talks about meditation being like a skill that you need to like build and work on When you started doing it have you found that you've like gotten better at it or have you found that it was like really hard to start and like how did you kind of improve that or what is your what's been your kind of journey through meditation
1: yeah no it it, it's hard it's hard man And, and like ck knows me i'm a guy that like can't shut up like i'm always moving i'm always moving around so like for me to like sit in a chair 15 minutes with like just myself just like focusing on breathing was was challenging at first. Um, But the interesting part about like about meditation is like so you would you'd be sitting there and they're telling you just to focus on the breathing and then something comes in your head and you're you try to like shoot away really quickly. But like they tell you like it's okay if you if if something comes in, like accept it that it's there and then and then move on. Um, So I think it's it's been a nice just a nice way to kind of like reset myself and say like not get like not get down on yourself if you can't do it, um just like you know acknowledge it and and keep and keep trucking forward, um and the more and the more you do that like the the easier it it becomes to just focus on the breath, you know be present, um and and really after it I, I you know it does feel like the stress has has gone down significantly once you can kind of get through it and and the one thing like any like anything else like any lacrosse thing or or whatever, if you want to get good at something, you got to practice it, right? So doing it every morning, being consistent with it, is, is, you do see the results after, you know, after a month or two.
2: And you said you're, gonna, you're yeah. continuing to do this after Corona? So. Yeah,
1: I, I, think, I think it's something like I'm trying to find certain things, um, you know, you got to find like these positives in these situations. And I, like I got a couple of things I've started. I know CK and I were talking about it, just like I've jump roped way more now. And I was so bad at it when I first started. It's like two minutes or three minutes, I'd be like exhausted. And now, I'm like, so that's like one thing I want to keep uh, with me after. And then the meditation will will be with me as well.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think jumping rope, since, uh, I forget where I read it. It was just something, it said like 15 minutes of jump rope, uh, jumping rope is like 45 minutes of jogging. Once I heard that, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this for now, <laughs> almost after every workout. And I think it's honestly, I don't even know if that's true, but I thought it was one of the best things uh, for me. I guess in terms of like the working out style, you talk about jump rope. Is there any sort of like go-tos that you want to hit every day? You talk about the hit workouts, the weightlifting. Is there stuff that are like a must in your workout?
1: Um, you know, I've always been somebody, I've always been, I'll call myself like a follower when it comes to workouts. Like I always, like I have some friends that just love, um, you know, Figuring out, like, you know, what's going to crush their body. And then I'm just saying, hey, just send it to me and I'll do it. I would say the one thing that I focused on more, not so much on the exercise part, but is, like, mandating that the mobility and the stretching be part of the workout. Um, like, the PLL has sent us all that stuff. Like, Jinta does a fantastic job of saying, like, hey, lacrosse players have tight hips, ankles, and shoulders. So I'm going to devise these these mobility functional movements, Um you know, to help, to help guys that, you know, you know, that, that have those problems in lacrosse. So, you know, I've been following those, uh, what's that train, train heroics or whatever app they sent us. Um, and it's, it's, it's great, man. Like you can tell, like some of those things you do with your hips, you realize you could barely move. And then you start thinking to yourself like, well, if I'm going to be running full speed, trying to shoot the ball hard, trying to beat some of these goalies, like I need better hip mobility to be able to shoot. So, Um, it's kind of the same thing as with, with, the meditating. Like if you commit to practicing it over and over again, you can just feel yourself being able to do more. Um, and that helps, that helps you then when you're actually working out too, not only just when you're, when you're doing lacrosse, you feel like you can squat better, you're stronger. Um, so mobility is probably one of the things I've, I've focused on in terms of like the exercise portion.
2: I like it. Is there anything? See, so it sounds like you've kind of experimented with different type, different types of workouts and stuff like that with your routines and lifestyle or whatever. But as far as like adding to lacrosse and things that benefit benefit you with lacrosse, is there anything that you've like experimented with in the past that ended up being like a bad investment of time or anything that like you were trying to do and ended up having to kind of cut it out and added it to your not to do list and ended up being like I shouldn't. That was a waste of time.
1: You know you know I like i used to i used to lift like my upper body like fairly heavy in college um and I never really i just i mean i mean guys i'm guys certainly still probably do it, but um, I never felt that it was like you know, I would bench press and I was like i'm not real, I don't know if this is like if this is really helping me, I'm not like an offensive tackle, you know, like trying to block somebody. Um, but I guess it was, it was probably more my fault because I would lift heavy. And then like, when you don't, I'd go back in the gym and then try to do all that weight. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm sore for three days and I can't like lift my arm. Uh, so then I just, I, I moved pretty much after college to like all like getting rid of most weight stuff, you know, and just doing kind of like, you know, low weight, high rep workouts, um, that I've found have just, made me feel, you know, I'm still feeling strong, but I'm not feeling sore after them. Right.
0: I think, uh, just from playing with you, I think you got one of the biggest motors I've ever seen on (laughs) field and on the floor. Do you sort of, has that started from like day one or did you work on that as a kid or how did did that sort of develop?
1: Uh, yeah, I've always, like, I've always been super competitive at my, uh, my high school coach was also my gym teacher and he would uh, – he tells the story. He had to like st- stop me in gym because I was like going way too hard in volleyball, you know, just like 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 weird stuff like that. Um, I've always just been like super competitive and like if I'm going to do something uh, – like even when it's board games, like my family gets mad at me because like people aren't like – paying attention or they're not like doing the right thing like I'd be that guy at the at the blackjack table who's getting pissed that guys aren't playing the right way uh, just because I'm like you know if I'm gonna do something like I I want to do it well I want to I want to be good at it um and I and, and I've always found like just bringing bringing energy bringing you know that positive motor to things is just gonna like it helps elevate like from from a teen sport perspective I think it, hel- it helps elevate a lot of guys who maybe just don't have that like you know naturally wake up and just want to sprint out of bed type type mentality,
2: yeah you uh talking about like kind of going back a little bit um this is gonna sound weird like I remember like watching you in college obviously you were always kind of like a like big midfielder, obviously use your body really well to your advantage, and so this part I was gonna say' is, like sounds weird like you're obviously blessed with a great body <laughs> <laughs> at what point did you kind of like start to use that as an advantage, and like were you always bigger than kids, and like how did you kind of like come about like trying to just kind of maximize your body and use your size to your, to your advantage. And like, is there anything that you do to kind of like work on that that's different from maybe a smaller, quicker guy?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I wasn't always, always the biggest kid. Um, I was, when I was like growing up, like way back in youth, I was always really fast. And then right around seventh grade, I, I like just basically lost my speed and, was kind of like freaking out. I was like, I just can't run anymore. And from like seventh grade to almost about 10th grade, um, I, I couldn't run. I play, I, I moved to attack because I just couldn't, my knees were just bothering me the whole time. And what it was, was like, I grew like an insane amount, at like the beginning of high school. So I, I think I, it was something like my freshman year, I played football. I was like five, seven, 135 pounds. And then I played sophomore year lacrosse at like six two one eighty, so it was like a year and a half I grew like in, in an insane amount, and then like my sophomore year it was kind of like uh, it was kind of like when Forrest Gump breaks out of the uh, of the the leg braces like all of a sudden I could just run again, but now I'm like six two so it's like I'm now I'm fast and big, um, so I, you know once I got back to that like. I always had this kind of like mentality of like, I'm not going, I'm not going around somebody, I'm going through them. And it didn't, that didn't really f- fare me that well when I was like growing up because I couldn't run. And then, you know, it was kind of that same mentality. I just, you know, kept using that, uh, just run straight. And, uh, you know, I kind of subscribed to just put your shoulder down to you a know, guy by the end of the f- by the fourth quarter, he's not going to want to, you know, gonna, wa- not going to want to have that in his chest anymore.
0: Right. A hundred percent. So I guess from your game standpoint, uh, you were that bruiser, that downhill guy, mm-hmm. did it develop, uh, at all and like differently in high school to college, college to the pros, did it, did it change up at all? Or did you want to see any changes in your game?
1: Yeah. You know, I would say the, I would say the biggest, I, I was probably a, a very similar player, um, high school and college, um, because you know in high school I was just I, I could just get to my left hand you know at, at will um, I you know there's videos of me in high school I could barely even put the ball in my right in my right hand I didn't need to um, and it was like that for a decent amount of college but then when you'd play the better teams you know you go against like Jesse Bernhardt in Maryland it's like you got to do something else because that guy's gonna keep up with you every step of the way um, so I had I had to work on my right hand I, I don't think it got much you know much better until maybe my 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 junior year in in college and if i could go back that's probably one thing um that i would have started working on earlier it would be one of two things either start working on my right hand earlier or start playing box lacrosse earlier because i played in the nll the 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 year after i graduated and it was my first kind of foray into box lacrosse and i would tell you that that following summer and every subsequent summer of playing field i think i've been a better l- lacrosse player for it um so where a lot of guys as they work later on in their lives like you know college it might be where they hit their peak i actually think from a lacrosse perspective i've gotten better over the years by just implementing those kind of those nuances in box
2: yeah i feel like i feel like connor has talked a lot a lot about that too and would love to kind of dig into that a little bit but just going back so you said like your junior year is where you started like really developing your right hand a little bit. Going from your sophomore junior year and obviously recognizing that was a weakness for you and you need to need to get that better. How did you go about doing that that summer or the fall going from your sophomore junior year? Like was it like ninety percent of the time you were going out and shooting and hitting the wall? Was it just all your weak hand or like what did you kinda of change to really pick that up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. It's, 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 it's the mindset when you're training and it's funny. And now when I, when I train kids, like I try to help them not make the same mistake that I did, you know, like when you go out there with a bucket of balls and you think you're the man because you're shooting from 11 yards sidearm lefty every time, you know, you don't realize that that's not the type of shot you're going to get in a game. So I think like when I started thinking about like, Hey, where am I getting on the field as a midfielder? Like what shots am I actually seeing or what opportunities am I getting on the field that I'm not even thinking about shooting because I'm just not either comfortable or it's not in my head. Um, So I really just started working on that. And at that point, you know, everybody was really blocking off my left hand. So I kind of figured it's it's at this point now where like if I just work on – I don't even really need to split left to right. I can just run straight with my right hand and use my speed because people are so much so, so much taking it away um so really that alley dodge with my right hand to be able to to be able to shoot that um to at least invite because then what happens is then it invites a slide right people are going to say okay he can't shoot the ball right-handed so we're not going to slide you know ideally what i I'd do is just i draw a slide and i go right down this down the side give it to the attackman who you know are way more skilled than i am you know that's how we want the offense to run so just working on that um you know d- you know day in and day out in the summertime just got me to a point where i was just more comfortable with it and i wasn't thinking about it as much during the games
2: and then and then with the box across stuff so like one thing that we ask a lot of a lot of the people we've been interviewing is kind of like if you could go back to when you're 12 13 years old what would you tell yourself to do the same what would you tell yourself to do differently so you kind of hit on obviously would love to have kind of told yourself to get that right hand a little bit earlier Um, but what, what's your biggest takeaway? Like why, what's the big benefit for you that you see that has really helped your game jump from the box, from the box point of view? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I,
1: I, 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 you know, I do play defense in box, so it's not as, you know, from an offensive perspective, it's, it's, it's more the transition stuff. You have to do so much in such a small confined area that you, your, your stick skills are naturally going to get much better. Um, you know, even, even the, guys in box that are you know canadian they're just fantastic with this stick and transition um it's so much harder to score because you really do in order to score you have to get the goalie to move because he could just sit there and you 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 have to pick maybe four or five uh squares on the net to hit to actually get it past him um so it's 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 the it's the the tightness in the game i think that that has helped me out a lot And also just understanding, like you know, playing the pick and roll, and not being able to just kind of chuck the ball and hope the guy gets it. It's putting it in a confined area for him. Um, And I really think it's it's very beneficial to start that at an early age because you know I always kind of go back to if you think about your practice for a summer league, and you're you know you're running through the guys, you're doing the the three man weave to kind of warm up their hands, and you get one kid that throws the ball. And it goes out of bounds and the kids chasing it down the, you know, into the next field to get back in the drill, you know, whereas in box, if you do that, you just kind of turn around and pick it up and get right back in. So these kids are getting, you know, in an hour and a half practice, they could be getting two to three times more reps with just the ball in their stick than a kid doing summer you know summer outdoor lacrosse and then when you when you think about that of like every practice of their entire lives that's why you see all these canadians that lead ncaa in scoring because their stick skills are just naturally better um and that's where i saw my game improve was just like what i was able to do with the stick in tight quarters that i just would never even would have thought of you know without that experience 100%.
0: Hundred percent. And I can like test like just understanding the game and the nuances of the two man game, even the three man, like working on a side, uh of just hey, if I get this, if I get this one foot of space, I'm gonna cut this way. For you on the defensive end, has that helped you not only understand the defensive side of things, transitioning to field, but has that understand like what can I get offensively in the field game, just understanding defense wise?
1: Yeah, I mean, without question. I mean, you think about these. You think about what keeps defenses up at night, right? And you watch these these offenses that, that that do certain things, and you're thinking to yourself, "Man, like if if we're spending this much time learn trying to learn or try to trying to defend it, there's a reason that they're doing it." You know, and and I've I've had the you know the the you know um, the opportunity to play with a bunch of Canadians in in uh, in the field in field lacrosse, and we've incorporated a ton of the two man. Even on even on like high dodges too, just to just to create, you know, just to create a little bit, you know, three four yards of space that you can now use to run at somebody. That starts off with a, with a simple two man game. Um, so yeah, I think I think just def- like trying to figure out how to defend it is, you know, your your kind of blueprint for what you should be doing because defenses have a problem with it.
2: Connor, what what would you say this is the first not kinda of asked you a question, but anything that John didn't talk about that you've kind of seen as like a big benefit on the offensive side from like picking up the box game? Like you said, you'd never played box until after college.
0: Uh I mean he just hits it uh pretty much it's just like the tight windows, uh your stick works ultimately get better. And honestly, it's just a great point about like you're in the box game for or you're in the in the box for two hours, you get two to times uh, three times more touches, and it truly helps you a ton. Uh, so I think, honestly, I, I agree with everything. I think he hits it, everything on the nail. Um, so I guess, uh, I guess, with this, so now that you jumped into the box game, uh, you went to college, you went to Hopkins. Have your like personal goals of uh, lacrosse players uh, evolved? Like, what is your sort of goals for this season? Uh, are you setting them higher? Or do, what do you, you try to fit uh, for this year?
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like, I've I've thought about this more just, I mean, I'm going into my eighth year playing outdoor to be my seventh playing indoor. And, you know, I kind of, I, I don't necessarily raise them because I think they're obviously, they're, they're fairly high. My two things, every, you know, every every year are what can I do to be the best teammate that I can be? And what, what can I do to help our team win a championship, right? Those are like to me. There's, those are the two, the two goals of mine: be the best teammate I can, I can be, and win a championship. Um, so I try to, you know, I'm I'm a simple guy. I try to keep it fairly simple because, to me, those are. I mean, that's you're there to do your job, right? Like I want to do my job to the highest ability, and I want to be, I want to be there for my teammates. Those are, you know, keep it simple, and, you know, maybe you'll change certain things on how you, how you train for that. Um, but that was, uh, to me, that comes down to those two things every time.
0: Right. So uh, with that, I mean, honestly, one of the best teammates I've had on the Riptide. We've had plenty of hours spent on the floor and off the floor, all great times. Uh, you won teammate of the year 2018? Uh, 19, 19. 2019. Yeah. 2019. Uh, so uh, obviously well-earned. Did you? Was this developed at a young age? And like a lot of things you learn are from – other people, maybe like mentors or guys you played with or older guys? Uh, did, when did that sort of start just being focused on being a great teammate? And did you learn it from anybody?
1: Um, you know, I think so. I think it, it. I definitely have to go back to my dad. Um, you know, he's, he's actually taught me a ton, um, but he, you know, he was one of those guys, like when we would play in the youth, fourth grade, fifth grade, um there was obviously guys that played for our town you know in our local town club that just weren't very good um and you know he would always he would always harp on like make the right pass right so like let's say there's a guy on our team and he's wide open but like i know there's a 10 percent chance he's going to actually catch the ball i wouldn't throw it to him and my dad would always harp on me right like you got to throw it to him you got to throw it to him because you got to get his confidence up try to get him try to elevate him to your level Um, And I wasn't thinking about that back then. I was thinking to myself, well, dad, like I'm better than this kid. Like I'm just going to run through the other guy and then try to shoot it. Um, So he definitely helped me with that. And I think what also helped me was, um, you know, on my high school team in Yorktown, it was all of my best friends were on the team. So like I never thought – I obviously had dreams of playing in college, but it was so – unique. It's such a fun time for me to just be like with all my best friends playing a sport we love to play. And, you know, I and I've just been fortunate to have that with a lot of my my the teams that I've been on. Um, but I think that just like that mindset of like, no, this is awesome. Like, it's all my good buddies playing lacrosse. Like, we love this. Like, let's just have a great time. Um, kind of was instilled in me at a young age, but then like reinforced in high school that like, this is the way things should be. Um, so I try to every place I go, I try to, you know, build that type of culture of, you know, making sure that you become friends off the off the floor, um, because I think it does have a huge impact on the floor.
2: Yeah, 100, 100 percent. I feel like that's absolutely huge. And Maryland, was obviously a big thing that that everyone talks about. Um, you talked about kind of just going back from times of like your dad kind of coaching you and then obviously through college and through pros Um, just looking back, are there any bad recommendations that you've heard in the lacrosse world that you kind of stick out to you and would want to like point out or any any bad recommendations that you hear and kind of want to expose?
1: Yeah, the worst, the worst one I hear is, I mean, and this gets beaten, you know, beaten pretty heavily, but just the specialization of the sport. You know, I played, uh, I played football. Um, I played soccer. I was a ski racer, um, I was a kid, you know, like I just, I loved playing lacrosse and I, I gravitated to that when I think when the time, you know, presented itself, um, to see kids like quit other sports, I, I just, I, to me, I don't get it. You know, I, like, I think I've learned so much, you know, like, like my leg strength comes from being a slalom skier, you know, like my, you know, my ability to, you know, to, you know, put my foot in the ground and dodge comes from me being a running back. You know, I've, and, and, and going back to the team thing, it's like I had a blast like making new friends, other friends that didn't play lacrosse. I played other sports like you pick up so much from different styles of coaches, um, different teammates, different sports that if you just, you know, narrow yourself to the lacrosse world, you're, you're missing out on a lot of opportunities, in my opinion um so that that was you know that was one thing i you know i really appreciate my parents for like you know every time i wanted to go to a lacrosse camp in the summer they were they were you know they would send me and, and everything but they would also you know make sure that i was i was participating in other things i think which which helps me now
2: yeah i feel like that's definitely been like a unanimous answer we've been hearing kind of looking back when yeah. you were when you were kind of playing different sports and juggling different sports obviously getting the benefit of all of them how did lacrosse like work into that were you did you kind of like finish up the spring and then just play through the summer and then just put the stick down completely through the fall and through the winter or did you kind of just mix it in here and there or kind of how did you allocate time to lacrosse while you were playing other sports
1: yeah I, it, you know i never i never gave it up throughout the year but that's just because i i mean i knew i would, that's what i was super passionate about um so i would you know we would have uh you know the town that i'm from is a you know it's it's kind of like a, a, a you know a high school in Alabama with football. I mean everybody, you know, kind of grows up playing lacrosse. Um so we'd have certain like you know, we'd get together and you know do wall ball, do do some shooting, but it would be more fun. Like it wouldn't be like uh, you know, this, you know, a year-round thing. Um but I always kept the stick in my hand um just because I just because I wanted to. But that but that's the big difference, right? Like when you can when you can make that decision on your own like yeah, I'm doing all these other things, but I want to make sure I stay with lacrosse. Like that's that's a good thing. That that shows you're passionate about it, not just, you know, having it shoved down your throat for 10 months of the year and then you all of a sudden you get burned out. Um so I think it's 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 important to have the kids make that decision on their own. And then once you find something you're passionate about, that's then, you know, you'll find ways to do it all the time.
0: Right? I think it's like a huge just like getting into the coaching side of things and uh and just trying to like push kids and saying like hey follow your passion like and telling them like not you should love lacrosse but like if you love it continue to push yourself uh like is there a balance you see like in coaching whether to like if they sort of truly do not like it or hate it to continue to push them and maybe they'll end up liking it is there sort of like something you think about in terms of that coaching style if I ask that right
1: yeah, well, well, I I think he did and I, and and not to not to put the put the blame on somebody else, but I think that's a lot I think a lot of that's the parent driven. You know, like I'll get a kid, I'll get a kid, I'm starting to work with him and I I don't converse with the kid, I converse with the parent. He you know, they say, you know, Tommy's super interested, he he's all for it. And then you get to the field and the kids, you know, watching watching birds while you're trying to teach him how to shoot. And it's like the kid just does, you know, it's obvious he doesn't want to be here you know and you know on the on the flip side you get other kids that like you know i'll 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 uh i'll work with them and then they'll send me like videos you know that they saw on instagram that hey i know i remember you were talking about this and i saw this online and it's like all right like this kid he gives a crap right like you can to me that's something that you see right off the bat um and you can tell who who's pushing the agenda right is the kid you know begging their parents for another lesson for another tournament or is their is their parent just, you know making the kid do it
2: right you talked about kids kind of sending you stuff on social media do you have any favorite social media accounts that you follow to either help you with the way you train or the way you kind of think about nutrition or favorite meditation or anything like that or just lacrosse content that you kind of get the most value out of whether it be lacrosse or just from the mental side
1: yeah yeah I would say I, I I gotta I gotta plug the Pll here because I think they've done an outstanding job of um of providing really awesome content of the game I mean i I really have never I've, as a lacrosse fan I've just been so excited just to be a part of it um because they're they're capturing. Things on the field that the three of us have been like, yeah, this is why this sport is dope, right? Like people are doing like this really cool stuff, um, but now they're capturing it and they're capturing it in camera angles they never did before. Um, so I, I've, you know, not to plug our, plug our, you know, our entity that I'm a shareholder of, but I tell kids all the time, watch as much PLL as you can because you're going to pick up on things. I'm picking up on things, um, you know, that you, you just never saw before.
2: And working, working off that, just obviously, again, you're super immersed in the lacrosse community. You've probably seen the sport grow a lot. Where do you see lacrosse in 10 years? And like best case scenario for lacrosse in 10 years, if you had unlimited resources and could kind of plant the seed to get it there in the next six months to a year, what would you kind of be doing with that? And just where do you see lacrosse best case scenario in 10 years kind of inspire younger kids a little bit to, to keep pushing and keep having goals to play professionally like you guys?
1: Yeah. I think the biggest thing is getting sticks in hands, right? Like, you know, I came from a, you know, from an, I'll call it an upper to middle class family, but a lacrosse background that was, you know, I never had, I didn't get a new stick every year, but I never had a problem getting equipment. Right. And you think about like, I think about the equipment uh, that we get every, you know, I play in two lacrosse leagues, so I get a whole mess of stuff every, you know, twice a year. Um, not to mention all the other things I can get through other sponsors or 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 whatever, and and what I what I try to do with that is I try to just give that to Bronx Lacrosse, uh, a, a kid that I went to high school with started that. It's a tremendous tremendous uh, program, um, but you got to think like th- like you know those cleats that we got you know the, the sixteen cleats that I had from Hopkins that ten of them still had the the wrapping in the in the shoe, you know that's a that's a hundred dollars that's eighty dollars ninety dollars. Um, Plus the sticks get our super, you know, like when was the last time you bought a stick, right? I don't think, I can't even remember. So like just getting all of that equipment to kids is, is, is the biggest thing. That's the, that's the barrier to entry, I think in our sport, because I think when you like, you know, and I've spent a lot of time with, with with the Bronx, like, like when you hear these kids talk about lacrosse, they love it. Like, it's just a fun, it's a, and we all know this, right? It's a fun, fun game, but what's their access to it? That's the problem, right? You get sticks in people's hands. This thing is going to catch like wildfire, in my opinion. Um, So hopefully, that's uh, the PLL can. I hope continue to grow that both from like a viewership standpoint, um, and then I think it's on us to, you know, to spread not only not only the equipment, but our knowledge of it
2: too. Are they? Does that Bronx lacrosse stuff? Do they do anything besides just obviously distributing equipment equipment for you to donate to? Do, do, Do they do anything else? Well,
1: yeah, it's it. Well, it's similar. It's a similar setup to Harlem. So they they provide, um, you know, it's like really an after school program that that is centered around lacrosse. Um, so, like, you know, an, an example would be the kids need to maintain a certain grade point average to play on the team. So it incentivizes those kids, you know, to maintain their grades. And I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna blank on the statistic, um, and I, I can certainly get it to you. Um, cause I was the fundraiser this past year, but it was something like their high school graduation rate in that Southern Bronx area is, is really, really bad on average. And the kids that participate in Bronx lacrosse is like, I don't know, two or three times that number. Um, so it's, it's providing a real outlet for these kids, um, while also providing them opportunities to get into whether it's a, um, you know, a boarding high school or, um, you know, just in a, a high school, in general, even if it's not lacrosse related, it's it's kept their grades up and it's allowed them a different path in life, um, which is which is just tremendous. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I think I completely agree. I think that's the biggest thing towards our growth is uh, obviously the exposure from the professional level down to the youth, but getting sticks in hands. Uh, and you said you are in a hotbed for lacrosse, obviously Yorktown. But was there something that sort of obviously it's grown a ton the game? Was there something that you sort of went through as as a kid? Obviously you didn't know right from wrong then, but now being a professional, being like, Hey, we could have done this better or stuff like that, not to obviously say anything bad, but is there any improvements that you should uh, that you see?
1: In, in in just like lacrosse in general? In
0: the, in the youth just growing up on how like what's
1: y- yeah. Well, the, I mean this like you know i'm a couple of years older than you see this club program thing to me is insane you know like i went to i went to a developmental camp once a year from like 5th grade all the way through my freshman year and then i played in the empire games my sophomore and junior and that's how i went to college and now that that timeline doesn't make sense anymore because you have all these club programs and i don't want to say all club programs are bad because they certainly provide you know a um a lot of value but the costs especially in this area are crazy you know like it's something i don't think my parents would even have been been willing to do for me right and like at this point it's like you're not like unless you're an undeniable talent you need those club programs to to help get yourself recruited um you know and 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 that's just a you know that's we could, that's a whole different conversation of like the monetization of youth sports but um you know that's that that's just I guess my take on it
2: have you had have you had any any vivid failures through your career that you kind of really learned from and helped helped you to kind of build success later that you kind of look back on and think it obviously it sucked in the moment but kind of helped build success for you
1: yeah, yeah well, uh my senior year of Hopkins would probably be the biggest the biggest failure I mean we were the number one recruiting class. We were, you know, I think my my junior and senior year, we were a combined like twenty five and seven, something like that. Like we were really, really good. A lot of expectations came in. Uh, some off the field issues had happened in the fall, um, which you know, not necessarily want to get into, but basically the the you know result of those kind of stayed with us during the spring. We never could get past it. Um, and the one of the biggest lesson and I've, I've tried to, you know, when I talk to, you know, high school programs and I talk to people again, I try to talk about controlling controllables. Right. Like, you know, the situation that we had it, at that point, it was, no, it was no longer in our control. So harping on it, worrying about it, doing all the rest, that's just not doing anything for you. Um, so I've tried to keep that mantra, you know, of just saying like, hey, what's in front of me? Um, can I control this? If not, then I can't worry about it. What can I control? How hard, how hard you work, what kind of teammate you are, um, kind of leader you are. I can control those things every day. So let me focus, let me repurpose all my energy there. Um, if I had known that as a, you know, as a, as a senior captain of, uh, um, back then in college, maybe we would have had a different outcome because, you know, obviously as a leader, guys are looking to me and I'm worrying about things that I can't control and that's, Everybody's gonna follow that, um, so that's probably the biggest the biggest lesson that I've learned, um, you know, through failure in lacrosse.
0: That's an awesome one, and uh, honestly, you maybe realize this now or right after college, but maybe since it was a year, uh, your whole senior year, and you were a leader on that team, uh, I guess maybe the the initial loss to end your career sort of could you go back into those thoughts of like did you blame yourself? Was it like, uh, blame on others? Like how did you sort of go through that sort of process?
1: Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of self blame. Uh, it was a tough, it was a tough time, you know, and that's, that's kind of the second, the second part about, you know, what I've kind of learned through that process is like, obviously as a kid, like I had kid, I had guys in my high school that went to Hopkins. So I grew up wanting to go to Hopkins and I wanted to go to win a national championship at Hopkins. Um, And obviously that didn't happen. Right. But, you know, to your point, like, you know, something crazy happened the the day after we lost in the morning, the sun came up, you know, like the world didn't end because I didn't, you know, because I didn't uh, succeed in what I wanted to do. Um, So that was kind of, and I I, I, believe I didn't know that that day there was, it took a long time for me to kind of look back and say, you know, this all wasn't for naught, right. Um, But that's one thing that, you know, that I've also taken with me now is that like, you know losses in life, you know failures in life are gonna happen. Um, dwelling on those things are really not gonna do you do you that good what what the biggest thing you should be worrying about is like you know I failed, why did I fail? How am I gonna make sure I don't do that again? Because when you fail at something twice for the same reason, then it becomes a really bad pattern.
2: just kind of just kind of piggybacking off that like obviously like the goal is always it seems like to win a championship. And, but, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, it's one team, and it's really hard to do. If you had to define success without using the words win or winning a championship, how would you do that?
1: You know, I go back to the relationships you can build when it comes to, to lacrosse. Um, because the game, you know, the wins and losses, it, it, in a lot of ways, they do fade after a while. Like, when I think about my my high school team, there's a couple wins of wins. Wins, of course, you remember, right? But, like, that's not really what I talk about with my friends from home. I just talk about those memories that we made, all the fun times we had together. Um, and as I get older, you, you, you realize that these on-the-field things, they, they matter for sure. Don't get me wrong. That's why you get so close with these guys because – you get to a point where it's like this game only matters to a certain amount of people. So like you're in the locker room with the New York Riptide. These guys have been playing lacrosse for 20 some odd years. These are the ones that have taken it so seriously that you're at the, at the peak of your, you know, so you have that common that common bond with them. But I've found that like I've really enjoyed, um, you know, re, you know re, the relationships that I've built, the fun times I've had with these people um, more so than I have the, the wins and losses. Now I'm still, you know, we're still you know, training like crazy to win this PLL championship series. But after it's all over, we're going to be saying, how, how crazy was that? You know, like we were in, we were in Utah for three weeks together. And, you know, hopefully I'm talking about a win, but you know, if you're not, it's still going to be a fun time, I think.
0: Right. hundred percent. And I think that's huge as an athlete to realize it's like, Hey, the sun does come up the next day and you go through those tough times. Uh, did you learn that obviously now, uh, but was there stuff at, early on that sort of kept you up at night uh, from lacrosse standpoint? Uh, was it in high school or college like, God, I'm not getting better at this or I'm not winning a championship? Like, am I doing something wrong? Is there any self-doubt in that regard?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's funny because, like, you know, it wasn't... I When I was a kid, I didn't say, you know, that I wanted to get into sales or I wanted to do this. Like, when I was a kid, I wanted to play lacrosse at Johns Hopkins, right? So, like, in your you know, little mini world as a, as a teenager, like there's nothing past that. You just kind of, that's like, that's everything you're trying to accomplish. And then it's like, you're, you're doing it every day. Um, so naturally it's like, you know, there's a, there's you put a lot of pressure on yourself to succeed. Um, which in a way is is good, right? Because, you know, you're so worried about failing that you don't want to do it. Um, but there's, I think there's better ways to channel that, that fear than just being like, you know, gripping the stick too tight. And I, I think I've learned that as a, as I've gotten older, um, that, you know, some of those old wise tricks would have been, would have been useful in college.
2: Yeah. And that's like one thing I kind of wanted to like hit on too. Like I obviously, I didn't have nearly the success as you guys like going through college and like, obviously like my failures kind of lost a lot of sleep over them, and like so much I wish I did differently, but just kind of like being a little bit out now and just like looking back, like, so I stopped playing my sophomore year. I did my third ACL, hung them up after that, and then kind of stuck with the team for the last two years. And, I mean, it felt like torture, like, kind of showing up the practice every day. But, like, just being a part of the team and just, like, staying a part of my class and just, like, at the end of the day, like, the wins and losses. Like, obviously, I, I wish I would have been on the field. And, like, I feel like there's a lot of memories that, like, i missed out on. But just, like, having the guys and, like, just the relationships you build, like, it's it's 100% worth it. Like, even for a kid that's like, wants to go and play in college and, like, Maybe they don't have the success. Like if they just stick with it, like getting out of the four years in college, I feel like it's a, it's a hundred percent worth it to, to make it through and like stick with your guys. And just, that's like been the biggest takeaway, kind of looking back for me for sure.
1: And that don't, you, you only feel that more, the older you get, man, I'm telling you, like it just, it, you know, it's uh it's, it it was a great time. um, But you know, it's those relations to me, it always goes back to the relationships. And I think that's maybe, you know, one of the things why I, I'm, I'm so, You know hell-bent on being a good teammate because i know that these you you build a good relationship with somebody that's a relationship for life you're going to be able to you know to enjoy that forever
2: is there any obviously we talked about you being like a great teammate or anything like that is there anything that you've kind of like added to like outside of just being like a positive guy or anything like that like what do you think makes like a really good teammate or what are some small things that you do that you've kind of gotten gratitude from other guys about just you as a teammate?
1: you know for me it's just like it's just asking you know asking questions getting to know people um i and that, and i i i do that you know to be a good teammate but i also like i do it almost selfishly in a way because i think there's so like i think there's so much to learn from other people um diff- what they've gone through their different experiences their different upbringings like how they view different things right like you're not going to ever know that unless you ask Um, so I've always just been like a curious person. Um, but I've, you know, and I don't think people get asked those questions about themselves as much as maybe they should. Um, so I've gotten like, just like my curious nature has sparked different conversations that I've had with teammates that have gotten me ultimately closer with them. Um, so I think it's just like little things like that. Um, just getting to know your guys, you know, knowing them because, you know, I, it's, it's funny. You can, you can say you love people and you can say, you know, all these things, but like you know, you don't, you don't want to say it and not mean it, right? So, um, you know, putting, putting that that extra work in, just like you'd put your work in on, um, you know, on your shot or on, on feeding or on dodging, like those extra miles you go for your teammates in, in, in simple things, I think, pay off big time.
2: You talked about just like kind of like selfishly, like trying to like take things, like obviously it's not selfish, but like trying to benefit selfishly from asking questions is there anyone that you've kind of at, like leaned on and asked a lot of questions or anyone, you I mean, you can name names if you want, but anyone that you kind of like asked a lot of questions and like, have like just learned a ton from and kind of what did you learn from them that you've really implemented into your life?
1: Yeah. You know, I would say, f- I would say, so I've played prof- outdoor professionally with like uh, the same c- core of maybe four or five guys um, since I started. So this is my eighth summer you know, being with guys like Joel White, um, John Galloway, Mike Manley, Jordan McIntosh, uh, Jordan Wolf. Um, And we've had a a crew together and I've learned so much, not only, you know, I mean, just from every walk of life, you know, the way that they carry themselves with, you know, their family members, you know, I've gotten to meet all their families, the way that they, you know, carry themselves in the business world, the way that they coach, the way that they, you know, the way that they act, you know, you know, for, for me, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, they've been really good role models for me, you know, to, um, they're guys I want to associate myself with, I think is, is the way I look at it. And I hope I do the same for them. Um, but I think just like having that, having that group has been, has been, you know, really special for me in my life.
2: Past, past uh, we'll try, we'll try not to keep you too long. Start, start wrapping up here in, in a couple of minutes, but in, with all the different things that you've done, in the past, like five years, what would you say has been like the number one change that you've made that's been like the most beneficial to you?
1: Hmm. Most, you know, I think I'd go back to the the things I'm doing from a health perspective outside of like just your normal like exercising, right? Like when I was <laughs> like when I came out of school, I could you know eat. Doritos all day, you know, drink a ton of beers and, like, wake up and just, like, still crush workouts, right? Um, And then I, you know, I was really fortunate to have Brody Merrill was my captain of my first ever indoor team. Um, And he was, like, I don't know, 32, 33 at the time. So an older player in the league. But the way, like, the things he talked about with his mobility, with how he ate, how he, you know, how he just carried himself – now I look back; he's still play, he's still playing in these leagues, right? So it's like you look at the like when he was when he was talking about these things, you know. I it was kind of one ear out the other for me as a 22 year old playing in this league because, like, I could wake up after you know a crazy game and a night out and still be able to do all these things I wanted to do. You know, the body can only be like that for so long, and I, I'm I'm very fortunate to have had him when I did because it got, you know, even though it was in, in, in one ear out the other, it was still kind of, it was lost somewhere back there. Um, so, you know, taking care of my body in terms of like the mobility, um, of, of just watching what I eat, not going crazy, but just watching what I eat. Um, I think that's been the biggest change because that, because that kind of stuff impacts not only lacrosse, but just like, your just like your natural health, right? Um, you don't wake up with these aches and pains. I still do just from the, you know, the beating we take on the field, but, uh, I think that's probably been the biggest change I've made, uh, you know, as I'm I'm getting closer to 30.
0: Yeah, I think that's huge. Honestly, it's like I I was with Brody, and he was just so meticulous about everything. I remember just watching him in the locker room before the games, after the games, and he's like, what is he drinking? What is he eating? He's got this whole setup going. And I think you just realize that as, like, a player. It's like there's going to be that point, that breaking point for your body, maybe mentally, but definitely physically and it happens sooner or later for most guys so just being more aware of that especially when you're young and it's all about longevity
1: well that's and the other thing you know with the like with the point you just bring up it's like i think a lot of this i think a lot of this like the yoga and the meditation and the mobility things like i think that's also strengthening me mentally right so to your point like like if when the physical when your physical attributes start to decline you need to be smart you need to be smarter you need to be you know, if you want to keep yourself playing, you got to get better in places that you weren't good at, right? And you can't do it physically anymore. So where can you succeed? You know, being better mentally um, is is huge.
2: With all with all you've kind of gathered through your career from from different people, it's something that I've kind of like wanted to ask I this is the first time I'm asking, it. I've kind of wondered just like, 36 hours before game time for you, like, what is your like routine? And like, what are you doing to like, get your body like, and just feeling as good as possible for games. Like what's like the 36 hours leading up to that, or if it's just a 24 hour thing, but what's kind of your routine to like get in peak performance, like peak shape, mental performance, body feeling the best before a game.
1: And and I have no idea if this, if, if this is right or not, I love having like kind of, it's 36, uh, almost like the third. So if we play Saturday night, I love having a big pasta meal on Thursday. That's like my, my every, like, (laughs) pretty much every Thursday, because I play in both leagues year round. Every Thursday is a nice pasta, pasta meal. I look forward to it every, every week. Um, You know, I try, I try to stay, like, I try to stay away from my phone leading up to games. Um, I just feel very, I feel distracted with it. um, And I want to be, I want to be more present. Um, so I, I try to stay away from the phone as best I can. Um, you know, it's crazy because I work to I work another job. So like a lot of the times I'm finishing up work on a Friday and then I'm rushing to LaGuardia. So usually it's like by the time I get to LaGuardia, you know, that's when I kind of really start like just like kind of dialing in um, my mental my mental aspect, my mental training. Um, it's that and it's, it's hydrating like crazy. Um, I always have a I always have got a water bottle here. You know that I'm putting in my backpack to just make sure I'm I'm staying high. There you go. Hydration's key, boys. Cheers, cheers. But that's you know that's I, I'm not. Uh, what does Michael Scott say? He's like I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. So I got I got a couple things I like to do, but I'm not I'm not too crazy.
2: And then is there anything is there anything you like to do to help yourself like recover like right after games like after just anything super strenuous like that? I
1: I bought one of those uh, I bought one of those hyper ice guns. Uh, man, those things are, are fantastic. Um, I, I I try to do that, like, you know, when I get home from wherever I'm going, um, really just unwind um, with that. And I also bought a pair of those knockoff Normatex. So I try to like, I, Sunday is always a, and I will say this too, Sunday, I don't, I don't give a crap what I'm eating. Sunday's my, Sunday's my day. Uh, I, I, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big sucker for, uh, for cheesesteaks. So I usually, you know, usually I'm ordering the cheesesteak while I'm in the Uber back from the airport, uh, so that I can, I can get it when I get home. That's my, that's my day off from, from the good eating.
2: Love it. You talk, well, uh, last couple of questions here. You talked about, uh, you talked about like you liked like the, the ice gun or something, whatever. But if there's any – are there any purchases under $100 that would – If or I'll rephrase it. What would be your most like your favorite purchase under under $100 that brings you the most joy? Ooh. That's
1: a good question. I'd have to go because I've been getting into – I'm just going to say my Spotify membership. It's a cheap one, $10 a month. But like I've gotten way more into podcasts lately, um, so I've been using that a lot. And I, I'm not like I love I do like music, but I don't I, I'm not like a big playlist guy. I steal just like my workouts. I steal people's playlists. Um, but I so I I do find myself, especially in quarantine now, like a lot more on on Spotify from like music and playlists. So I, that's probably my the most enjoyment I get from under a hundred dollars.
2: What do you got? What do you got for go to go to uh, pods?
1: I'm I like uh it, it's um Morning Brew has one called Business Casual. Um and it, it's they get a lot of uh founders and CEOs of really cool um really cool companies and what I I mean I, I don't hear them talk as much but the 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 the, the woman that does it her name is Kinsey Grant. She just has this way of kind of making it a very personal conversation. So like you're learning a lot but you're also getting a very good um you know, insight to these, because, because at the end of the day, these super successful people, they're human too. Right. So like to hear kind of them, like talk about what they're really good at and then talk about, you know, just some, some of the things I like to do on the side. I, I find interesting.
2: What do you got? Anything else you like to do on the side to kind of help you unwind or if you're feeling stressed, anything you got outside of lacrosse that you'd like to do?
1: Yeah. So <clears throat>
2: I love skiing. I mean, I think I, I might like just the, like the
1: actual, um, sport like if i could spend a day on a mountain or spend a day on a lacrosse field i might pick skiing um i love it um and then i've actually recently gotten more into into hiking um i've i, I went on when i went on my trip i i hiked this like this mountain in portugal and it was like just so awesome to be like kind of by yourself just like getting to the top of the mountain looking down you're like look what i just climbed up like it you know it's, I think when I, I think when I stop playing, I'm gonna get more into like there's a lot of cool things you can do in New York like you know you can like hike all the, all the 46 peaks in the Adirondacks like I think I'm gonna start picking up that and and the last one would be would be biking. I don't really like to run, but I I, I you know my buddy bought one of those bikes that like they're like 20 pounds, maybe even even lighter. And, you know, three pedals and you're flying. So I'm probably going to be in, like, one of those biker gangs, you know, that just, like, do these, like, super long bike rides when I'm done playing. Find something to compete in, I guess.
2: What about also, sorry, you brought up, yeah, you do a little bit of reading. If you could pick one book to give as a gift, what would would you pick?
1: You know what I would pick? I would pick Lawrence Taylor's autobiography that that was one of the few books i remember um that I literally just couldn't i couldn't put down um i mean the stories of that guy like it, what he was doing and to be that dominant it was like i mean you, you you thought these stories were made up and the what i liked about the the way that the autobiography was set up was like it it was it was about him but it it would be like a, a it would tell you like you know, who's talking right now. So it'd be like a linebacker on the giants and they would, it would just basically be like story after story of just like unbelievable things, um, that this guy was doing. Um, that was like the one book I remember that I literally like, I couldn't put down.
2: Wow. I got to check that out. Any, mem- yeah. any memorable ones that, that stick out? Like story?
1: Uh, in the story? Yeah. Like I, like there was one where I think he they're playing the Redskins or the Cowboys and, um, I think it was the cowboys, and then this is how a lot of the stories would end up like they'd go into excruciating detail about whatever happened and it was basically like they they wanted to you know to you know to mess with him and to get him off his off his track. so they sent two guests uh two female guests to the room to his hotel room and basically spent the you know spent the night up up all night not sleeping. Going so he goes through all these things and then like at every the end of every story it was like, yeah and then I woke up had four sacks and we won by twenty like so like crazy stuff like that like just completely unfazed um there, there there's some wild ones in there,
2: yeah. Connor, what do you think? Billboard it up. Billboard. Billboard. All right, all right. So this is our last one. If you had. So if you could put something on a billboard for billions of people to see every single day, like a quote or something, what would you put on there? Ooh.
1: I could pick a billboard that everybody could see. Hmm. I think I'd keep it, I think I'd just keep it real light and just do something like have a good day. You know, like give some, give somebody like something like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not an inspiring type person. I don't think I just want, you know, like, there's, I think there's a lot of people that would be on the road, you know, going to a job they don't like sitting in traffic or whatever, that like could see that and, 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 you know, maybe crack a, even if it's a half a smile, you know, see that on their way to work, make them feel better.
2: I remember I I worked at a pizzeria like my sophomore year of high school or like junior year of high school and like driving there there was always this white house with just the giant smiley face on the side of it and everything <laughs> like all right like I guess this is kind of cool this is this is brightening okay. uh, my day of 1%. Yeah,
1: I gets you get you in a good mood and maybe I maybe like
2: have a good day and like I'd have like a like a
1: beach behind it or something you know or like just a, a nice a nice backdrop of 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 the of the slogan. All right, I like it. find your beach that's yeah yeah i I don't want to steal it too much from corona but like you know that's 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 the vibe that i'm going
2: with yeah well uh we're uh we're not anti-corona podcast here
1: (laughs) exactly i like like that
2: that. um all right this is this is great i really appreciate it um anything you think we could ask you that we missed or anything like that just based on the conversation (laughs) No, I mean it was a lot of fun. I've never, I've never been on a
1: podcast before, so you guys were my, you guys were my first. I know I'm your sixth. Yeah, this I, a, hope it, I hope it went well.
2: We're a little ahead. Um, made
1: yeah. it. Yeah, it was an easy, easy conversation. I think that's a, I think you guys did a great job of like keeping it flowing and just you know, keeping it light and and uh, inf- hopefully informative for some people too.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think you did a great job of that for yeah, sure. Awesome. I, I kind of yeah. like listening to like just
1: i've got, I've gotten way into podcasts in, like during corona and i like it's, it's kind of like like anything else you just kind of like you just try to read or sorry listen and just kind of take one thing that right. you hear because you hear so many freaking good things um and like it's like like we're talking about all these things about like water and, and all the rest it's like half the time i'm getting it just from a podcast like somebody was somebody was talking about it like i got respect for that person so
2: that's yeah. literally how i live my life i feel like <laughs> exactly <laughs>
1: love it.
0: Well, Randy, this was awesome. Again, yeah. uh I knew this was going to be a great conversation, so it was great. I can't wait to clip this up and uh post it, but we appreciate your support and uh uh thanks for coming on.
1: Absolutely, guys. Yeah, happy to, uh, happy to be on. Uh maybe if maybe if this thing if this thing goes crazy, I could be like a recurring guest at some point, you know. Yeah. we I mean, can come right. back and talk.
2: Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> I was thinking uh like Jolo said on his, where he said the thing at the end, he was like, you know, I, I tried not to be a hardo, but kind kind of got a little carried away. I was like we should get a T-shirt with like the train my game, and then like on the back, just like hardo free zone or something like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
2: <laughs> like, I like, I, I got, I gotta listen to Jolo's. I'm sure that's gonna be an an interesting one. Yeah, it was a good one. He was great. That was our first one too. So a little bumpy on our head. But... Starting off with a bang. Great yeah. bookends right now. Great bookends. Yeah. You go. Yeah. This is a big this is the the deciding factor, so you have to see if we if we get the seven or not. I I think you guys get there. You guys get there. All right, man. I appreciate it. This is awesome. Thank you so yep. much. Man. Absolutely guys. Take it easy. All right. Damn. Peace out. On Saturday.